You're listening to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward and weekend number one, week number one of the Ontario Hockey League playoffs in the books. Some series that, okay, we kind of saw that coming. Uh, another one. Oh my. We will get to all of that, of course, um, coming up in segment number two. To kick things off, of course, give you thoughts on uh, on the weekend as a whole. I'll talk about the players of the week. Of course, the draft lottery took place, so we will discuss that and get into Twitter a little bit because that was uh, a little bit of fun oh. that some teams tried yeah, to have I, I'm tired and of failed miserably. Yeah. Um, so that'll be a topic yeah. of discussion for sure. Yeah, should be a should be a very fun show. I hope everyone enjoyed the first two, three games of the first round matchups that have happened so far. And like I said, we'll we'll break them down more in depth uh, in segment number two. But uh, we're just Spitfires heading out on the road down two games to none. That will be, of course, topic Maybe number one. Guys. Um, I think so. Yeah, that'll be series number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll we will probably start of with the West and with that. the East. Do we think we started? Yeah, yeah, most definitely have to start with that one. Oh my, um, yeah. that might be the biggest shock in the first round, but is it though? Because Kitchener, I mean, what they built, they were built for this type, yeah. of, this time of the year, and um, the team they have, they certainly have a solid roster there. So it's exciting to see what they have and mm-hmm. uh, what they're made of in Kitchener because they're really giving it to Windsor. I mean, Windsor's limped into the playoffs. Don't get me wrong, but. And also backup goalie starting, which is probably the first thought of my weekend. All the goaltenders that have started their backups that you didn't expect to start. I mean, a lot of unexpected goaltending starters um, so far in the playoffs. I mean, you see Costanzo who's had a really good year. I mean, we talked last week about him. I mean, how the goaltending for the future is in very good shape in this league um, mm-hmm. for times for years to come. And I mean, Costanzo, but Anushka being on the bench, I mean, perhaps limped up a little bit. Um, can be a little injured. Uh, I think he's going to go into the playoffs. Mark Savard, you could see giving him a little time off. But it, this first round reminds me a lot of the first round last year with the Windsor Spitfires, where they kind of limped in that first round and all of a sudden caught fire. Um, and they looked really good in the fi- OHL finals. I mean, they looked at times better than the Hamilton Bulldogs, um, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if that series would have kept going, um, it would have. I mean, some team had to win. That's how close that those teams were. Um but it kind of reminds me of that right now where Windsor, I mean, they're struggling defensively um, and you're seeing a lot of good chances come up and their key players haven't really stepped up yet where Kitchener's have, I mean, big shorthanded goals there by uh, Francesco Penale, the Kitchener captain, which is big to see your captain step up like that. And then also you're seeing play like Matthew Sopp, who's so underrated, such a good hockey player there next year in his OA year. Um, very good player in Kitchener as well. I like his game, but yeah, certainly there's a lot of questions there. But, um, yeah, we'll get to that next segment. Yeah. Um, what, one thing to also note, the amount of goals that have been scored so far um, throughout the playoffs. Yeah. You know, you think about, you know, for us being around the Hamilton Bulldogs, a couple of six, By three defense. scores in games two and three. Um, yeah, Barry wins 10 to two in game one. Uh, we're looking at a seven nothing London victory over Owen Sound in Game One. There, um, a five nothing Sarnia win, Game One in that series. Kitchener putting up four, giving up none to Windsor in Game Number Two of that series. So, 
It's taking off Flynn it, as well. Yeah, it, it, not that it's weird. I'm not saying that it's weird at all, but just what what's going on here? I mean, I mean, offensive I think, star power for sure. A lot of teams loaded up offensively, but just seems like in a lot of these games, two, three, you know, games into this first round, goaltending hasn't been stellar. Uh, I've seen a lot of holes on the defense. And just, yeah. you know, the, these stars are picking their spots, right? They're finding ways to beat goaltenders that, you know, a lot of times throughout the regular season not didn't necessarily see that, right? And I know we're getting mm-hmm. into a lot of hockey in a small amount of time against the same team. You're obviously going to learn, you know, period after period, game after game. Absolutely. But just, just it's, it's, it's odd. I'm not – I don't – not that I don't like it because obviously I would love it to be close. So a 7 nothing blowout, a 10-2 to two blowout don't like that at all um we like goals but we also like competitive hockey right and i think that's something that we've always kind of seen in the first round right you look at the one eight two seven matchups you expect it to be a little bit a little bit lopsided although kitchener rangers are doing the opposite to the number one seeded windsor spitfires but you know just just the famous saga tide yeah just the lack of attention to defense early on here for for certain teams right too many chances around um the opposing team's net for a lot of good offensive a lot of good offenses uh in the ohl yeah i think it's a lot of nerves um i think that first game the first couple games in a series sometimes the first game in a series you see a lopsided score um it can happen the attention to detail isn't there um nerves creep in right and it's like you're trying to do too much and all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball right away you're down two three nothing and it's like oh no it's not full battle and the rich get richer on the other side um Mm -hmm. in that case but yeah you see that the odd time um especially in game ones a series you see teams trying to do a little bit too much in the backfires and uh we've definitely saw that so far this round um in round one and round one it can be common for that and it's not just the one versus eight series in each conference it can be a four or five series. We saw Saginaw Flint game one where it was like, wow, it's two nothing. We did not expect it to be like that. We thought the Flint Vibers would be a little bit better in that series. But um, it doesn't look that way right now as Saginaw's up two games to nothing on Monday evening as they play in Flint as the series shifts. And that's the big thing, too, that I've, that's really caught my eye this weekend, Reese, where really the series doesn't start until you go to that second venue. You know, the first two games, I mean, game one is game one. Obviously, every game means a lot, but game one, if you're going to lose a game, that's the one. Um, obviously, you never look to lose a game, but that's kind of the game. You get the feel-out process sometimes, and uh, it's interesting. Once the series shifts, that's when you see really the momentum start in the series, right? Team go up. Team goes 2-0 going in on the road. Um, then you see that series change. Um, the road team that gets it to home ice in games three and four, they win game three. All of a sudden, you get a little bit of momentum. There's a little bit of doubt creeping in. Things happen, and um, that's the one. That's the biggest part. That's when the series starts, right? When you play those three and four on the road for the home seed. But once the series switches venues, to me, that's when the series really starts, and uh, you start to see the, um, the animosity start within the group, um, and you see it really uh, take off. You see the tension rise. I mean, teams get sick of each other, right? Naturally, that's going to happen when you see it. Yeah, when you see a team four to seven times, you're going to get sick of the team. So as uh, series get deeper, usually it starts to uh, escalate a little bit. But it's exciting, and I just think there's a lot of lack of detail right now, and I think that's why in games one especially we saw a lot of outside scores, but that won't happen too much longer. The attention to detail is going to be there, um, and you'll see adjustments. There's too much video and too much uh, 
hours of video of my coaching staffs being put in to have those scores all the time. So it would rarely happen. I wouldn't expect to see that too much here as we get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, especially. Yeah. Yeah. And even, even switching venues, right. The home fans for, you know, games three and four, whatever team it may be. And we saw this on on Sunday night uh, at first Ontario center in Hamilton, right. Fans are able to watch those first two road games. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll see this as, like you said, uh, these series shift to the other arenas. But, you know, those fans have had an opportunity to look at those first two games and kind of get an understanding of, of what's happened and what's going to more than likely happen um, throughout a series. I know we'll talk at length about the what happened in game three with the Bulldogs and Colts, uh, Brant Clark uh, being assessed five in a game and then a one-game suspension for game four. But, you know, the, the Hamilton fans on them the entire game, uh, you know, they had an understanding of what happened yeah, in Barry, um, kind of how this series is going to unfold. So it gives those home fans that extra opportunity, right, for that lower seed once you return home for games three and four. And really, it is that cliche or that saying where you're never out of a series till you lose at home. Um, you Absolutely. know, really, really the only – if That's all momentum game. No team – yeah, no team wants to go to a game seven. As fun as the atmosphere is, as fun as it may be to play in a game seven, um, you really don't have to win a road game until you get to game seven, especially if you're the lower seed, right? So, uh, well, yeah, for sure if you're the lower seed because obviously the higher seed will be at home for game seven. But, you know, for for any team coming home down 2 nothing, no reason to panic at all, right? You've got two home games coming up for sure. Um and then, you know, you hope you build some momentum, get a game five, and hopefully return back for a game six. So, well, you know, you know, lots unless, of you're time, win, right? unless you're Windsor. Unless uh, you're yeah. Windsor. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, they're, the in, they're in trouble. Yeah. Absolutely. You go into the odd, especially into the odd. That's a tough one, right? You go into the odd mm-hmm. like that. That's tough. North Bay going to Mississauga 1 1. You're looking, I mean, obviously you want to win both, but you at least have to win one. If you don't absolutely. win them both, if you don't win one, you're in trouble, obviously. And you'd go back home up down three, one, but mm-hmm. it's very tough. Um, can be a tough series for sure, but uh, that's interesting. And it'll be fun to see how that runs here, how the rest of this first round runs out because wins are going into Kitchener. It's very tough and um, nerve wracking for sure for them and their fans. And then also mm-hmm. you see Owen sound at home, right? Flynn at home on Monday evening, as we record, um, Oshawa going having Ottawa come back home. You know, you got to win that game three. You win that game three, then you're back in the series. But if you lose, right, it's such a divider. It's a momentum game. Game three is a momentum game when you're down 2 0. And it's nice when you're back at home because, hey, the sun comes up at the end of the day when you're back home. If you're on the road, the sun's going down quicker. And uh, that's the way it feels like it goes. So, um, be interesting to see what happens, but it's definitely going to be fun here. This, by the next time we record, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I think a lot of, I think there's going to be a lot of different changes around the league and a lot in the series. So it's going to be exciting to see, and there's going to be a lot of good hockey. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, any more headlines, Colin? Yeah, there's a few OHL Cup. I mean, the draft lottery happened last Wednesday. Um, Romano and uh o'brien i really like on the junior canadians i just want to mention a couple players here he's i mean i'll mention first erie one niagara two sue three kingston four and then results so basically erie and niagara swap um niagara will have the picks two and five obviously the dickinson commit that's a 
pick they get from last year, having the fifth pick. So it'll be Erie, Niagara, Sioux, and Kingston in that order, and then Niagara in the five spot as well. Um, Matthew Schaefer, I really like him. And then, as I just mentioned, other junior Canadians are in the OHL Cup as we record against the Vaughn Junior Kings. I mean, I really like O'Brien. I really like Romano. Um, Addy's good, too. Um, 6'4", 205. Just like to see him a little bit more engaged. Uh, right-handed shot at 6'4", 205. You're going to get looks. But I just like to see a little bit of oomph there. But um, I really like this draft. He's starting to shape up, get a lot of good players on this draft. I mean, for one, it's, like, there's a lot of drama. Because going into the draft, going into the OHL Cup, you, everyone had Ryan Rubrick penciled in, but his OHL Cup wasn't great. The London Junior Knights OHL Cup wasn't great. Um, and when you have a lot of scouts there, that's kind of the showing that you want to have a good showcase to have that number one spot. I mean, Michael Misa exploded onto the scene last year, breaking the record of Connor McDavid. And I mean, it was all over social media last year when Misa in that OHL Cup finals, that whole OHL Cup and that junior sense team was incredible to watch. And then in the OHL Cup, if you're one of those top prospects, you got to own that tournament. I mean, Matthew Shavers had a good one. Brady Martin and Waterloo. Um, you want to talk about a tournament value, the Waterloo captain. I mean, last year he played as an underage player um, in minor midget, and he had a very good uh, very good season there as well. Got to see him in Brantford a couple times against guys like Lucas Carmeris, Merrick Manacker, Braden McCallum. Um, and he looked really good out there as an underage player. And, I mean, not no surprise to see him that high um, on draft boards. I mean, he could go two to three, possibly one. I think Schaefer goes one. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, who Erie takes at one, if it's Rubric, but I don't think it's a lock anymore. I mean, Tyler Hopkins had a big debut in his GTHL debut the other night on Sunday evening for the Hamilton Kill TVs against Caledonia Corvairs in the GTOHL. Um, and that was a uh, good debut for him, so that's good for his draft stock. But those are a few guys to keep an eye on and um, going into this draft because it's a deep draft. I really like this draft. I mean, a lot of good kids in Ottawa Valley as well. Um, a lot of depth, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes down. But definitely, there's a few players for you that'll uh, ring bells for you in the draft because there are definitely some quality players there, and it's going to be a fun draft that's for sure because it's a deep draft. I mean, this is a year where if you have one, there's a couple of guys there that are standouts, but it's really deep from one to ten. You're going to get a really good player, and um, that's that's special. Not too often that happens. One to ten, you're going to get a very good player. Um, sometimes you get in that eight, nine, ten spot. You got to you got to fight for one, right? You got to hope. Oh, while well, someone slips, got a guy that's recruited to college, right? The falls D, you know, you're going to take the chance on him, but he's got to come. So yeah. that's a, that's always interesting to see how that goes. But definitely fun times going into the draft, and it's always fun that draft because you start to see teams leak who they're going to take, right? The day before, you always announce the pick, the first pick. I like that the superstition and uh, the tradition of that one. Um, as you see teams going into the draft and all the different uh, techniques they have, it's always fun to hear. Yeah. Well, well, and one, one thing to note, um, if anyone missed it and not saying that everybody was tuned in religiously um, to the Niagara ice dog season finale against the Sarnia sting. Um, but Darren Dobler was Ted Lehman's intermission guest. Of course, Ted Lehman, the, uh, uh, great voice of the Niagara Ice Dogs on the radio side. Um, had, like I said, had him on for the first and second intermission, of course, pre-recorded. Um, just tough to do that kind of thing live. But, uh, you know, That's essentially right. essentially talking about and how big it is for the Ice Dogs. Like you mentioned, Colin, they'll get picks number two and five about, about committing, right? Dickinson didn't commit last mm -hmm. year. 
he was headed, um, you know, to the States. London ends up getting him in a trade. He reports to London. Pick number five goes to Niagara. And, and one thing to note uh, from what Darren said in that interview with Ted was that they've had meetings with players, and that includes Rubric. Um, they've had meetings with uh, with some of the top prospects. They've brought them to the Meridian Center. They've showed them around um, and, you know, obviously given them their pitch as – you know, why they should commit if they take them, you know, kind of vice versa, the players, you know, explaining what they bring to the table and trying to get the the ice dogs to take them. But, you know, one thing to note is um, it sounds like they will have commitments from whoever they take. Um, it sounds like the yeah. meetings were good. The players understand what the ice dogs are trying to do. Um, you know, new ownership again, it's tough to compete, tough to win in years one and probably even year two. Um of a new ownership. And I think some of the players recognize that from what Darren had said. And, you know, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a huge issue this year, getting guys to commit. Obviously that can change. You never really know until it actually happens, but that's kind of what Darren was saying um, in their final game against Sarnia on the intermission with Ted Lehman. Well, then there's a counter, right, where every kind of every GM says that they're going to get commitment until they actually do. Because last year we heard the exact same thing about Sam Dickinson, and he did not commit. And the team mm-hmm. that I would believe, and I honestly, I believe they're focused in on one player in particular at the two spot, and that's Matthew Schaefer. He has bloodlines yeah, with the Niagara Ice Dogs. Um, 30 defensemen out of Halton Hurricanes. He's from Hamilton. Like we just mentioned, he has bloodlines that played in Niagara. They know Niagara. I think that's a lock at two. Uh, if he doesn't yeah. go one, I think that's a lock at two. Um, Matthew Schaefer, defenseman, smooth defense. He's one of my favorite players in the draft. I really like him. Um, really good hockey player. 32 points in 25 games this year for the Halton Hurricanes. A very strong team there. And I think that's kind of a lock um, yeah. for Niagara. Yeah, I think yeah. it's one, I think that's who they're most confident. When you take those quotes from the interviews, from when you hear Darren speak, I think that's kind of the vibe you get because who's the biggest lock, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Moore, Moore, it's an interesting one. Heck of a player, but is he going to commit there? You know, you heard the rumors about the college eligibility, possibly going to the USHL. That's not a guy Niagara can take. That is not no. a guy Niagara can take. So when you put the puzzle together, you kind of see it shaping out. I mean, Schaefer has bloodlines. It's kind of a no-brainer. He, if he doesn't go one, he's going to go two. And um, he's a very good pick at number two. I mean, like I said, he's my favorite player in the draft. Um, he's right up there, and I really like him. And I think that's just the pick they have to take because if you want to get a commitment and you have to get a commitment, there is no you want. You have to get commitment this yeah. year for the Ice Dogs if they don't. That's going to be another long year, and the team's going to lose three defensemen. And for a team that hasn't had a lot of luck injury-wise, in a team that was, quite frankly, terrible um, in Niagara, you need you need to draft a defenseman here. You need to draft the best player available, the one that will commit. You have to get bodies in the house, and that's a guy that is going to be there. It's a guy that yeah. is one of the top players in the draft. I think that's the one you take. And then I think in a five spot, then you go take a forward, you take a goal scorer. But Niagara, you lose three defensemen next year and an already thin blue line. It's a no-brainer. you got to take a strong defenseman because, hey, Shaper's going to come in there and play top four minutes by the way their defense looks. Because to be honest, when I look at their defense, there's only maybe a couple guys that are quality OHL defensemen, to put it lightly. Yeah. I, I, I would I would say that's pretty accurate. How many times did we say last season? Their defense you know, struggle. Just, just, just play below the goal line, you'll probably score 
five goals every night every against, the, against the ice dogs, right? There were so many holes. That cross yeah. crease or that cross ice pass was always open to the far side. Like, I mean, it just it, – they made it too easy. And, I, and of course, uh, Jonathan Schaefer, former ice dogs defenseman, um, you know, spent a lot of a lot of good years in Niagara. He was part of uh, four seasons uh, with the Ice Dogs, right? He was kind of a, you know, you'll get in on occasion on a really good 2016 Ice Dog squad that uh, ended up being swept by the London Knights. Um, you know, he did play a big role despite the amount of minutes he did get in the playoffs mm-hmm. in that season. I thought Johnny Schaefer, that's a really good rookie year for him. You learn under guys. You know, like Aaron Hayden, Ryan Manta, um, but you know, the guys up front that they right had, now. no, not even, not even close. Um, and the fact that I think mm, Jonathan Schaefer that. stayed in Niagara, being a part of Brock University, um, yeah. is big as well, right? You know, you still have the have the big event at the Meridian Center uh, with the Brock Badgers homecoming event. Um, you know, his yeah. his roots are still there, right? And, uh, whether Darren or the Ice Dog staff has reached out to uh, to Johnny Schaefer at all, I'm sure there's probably been a phone call to try and you know Price get his notes. brother on board and try to understand. Right? Um, mm. I'm sure that's taken. Well, place, you're whining but... and dining them all week. Absolutely. Now, now, that now that their season's done, you're doing a lot of whining and dining for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. On the topic of the Ice Dogs, before we get to players of the week. Um, Let's stay off Twitter, eh? Like that's that that's yes. pretty bad. We're we're throwing shots out there, and uh, you are the worst team for eighty five percent of the year. Um, yeah, let's be a little smarter there, Niagara. That's not very bright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's just a little bit too much there to take. Sometimes social media is too much to take in general, though. And then also, Reese, I just want to mention one thing. Um, the camera work in the radio booths on Sunday afternoon. Mike Stubbs. Uh, we know <laughs> yeah, he does play yeah big play. Mike Stubbs. With, yeah. the, with the expressions, then we see Troy Islacar getting his partner, Reed Duffy, um, yeah. Reed and Norm on the call on Sunday in Hamilton as well. And you saw that with Reed Duffy. You see the passion, the broadcast. I think that's a pretty cool touch. Um, shout out to Mike Stubbs, who is the starter of that. I mean, we've been on that for about three, four years now on Mike Stubbs. And uh, the videos that he takes, I mean, it's incredible how you can do that while calling a game. And you mm-hmm. see the passion and you see the passion. That was pretty cool to see the cameras going around Twitter and a couple on Instagram as well of uh, their video calls, facial expressions and the call um, that what they are seeing on the ice through their eyes. I think that's really cool. And I think that's a good touch for the league. I mean, it's a way to grow the game. It's a way to get eyes mm-hmm. on the game. And um, I think more broadcasters should do that around the radio booth because it's definitely a good touch. And um I think you have to try that, right? Yeah, it looks like Mike Stubbs went FaceTime version there for whatever reason, the camera yeah. facing him and the ice. Um, but, yeah, yeah no, that, that's really cool. I, I like that you mentioned that, call, and Yeah, that was that was pretty sweet, right? Some of the best voices, if not the best voices, uh, in the Ontario Hockey League are on the radio. So, um, yeah, that's a good point there, Colin. Um, all right, player of the week in the Ontario Hockey League as we wrap up week one weekend number one um matthias sapavalov of the saginaw spirit takes home kojiko ohl player of the week three goals and three assists he had six points in two playoff victories for the saginaw spirit so he takes home that honor winning goaltender of the week 
I don't think we expected anybody else. Colin, uh, Marco, Costantini. Yeah, playoff. You know, makes a return to the playoffs after winning an OHL championship with the Hamilton Bulldogs last year. Kitchener Rangers defeat the Windsor Spitfires on the road to go up 2-0 heading back to the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium. Costantini stats through two games. Goals against average of 1.50. Save percentage of 952. That included a 4 nothing shutout in game number two. So, shout out to Marco Costantini. Uh, Matias Sapavala, or Sapaval live, live at the end. There you go, Reese. Um, they take home player of the week honors. All right, time for a break. When we come back, we will look in depth at the playoff matchups so far. We're through about two plus games for each series. Some teams have already played. Their game three. We will get to that next here on the OHL and 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. My name is Reese Dumaney along with Colin Ward. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the OHL in 60 podcast. The link to our website is up there as well. All the articles from Joel Vanderland, uh, Brandon Caputo are up there as always. So check them out um, at the OHL in 60 podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And before we move on to the, uh, to the playoffs, just want to give a shout out to Dylan Larkin and company, the Detroit Red Wings taking down the Toronto Maple Leafs on Sunday <laughs> night by a final score of 5-2. to two. Um, I got a lot of Leaf uh, fans going at me saying, oh, Giordano didn't play, McCabe didn't play, which really, you're using McCabe Game as an excuse. Like, come on, Game what are we changers. doing here? Game changers. Um, yeah, Marner, McCabe, Giordano. Um, you still lost to a team that's not going to the playoffs, and both of your starting goaltenders played. Um, the sheet of glass and Matt Murray, who got hurt thanks to Lucas Raymond and uh, Ilya Samson. Yeah, but that, that and, wasn't um, intentional. Yeah, well, I know. I just lost it. I went right into his oh. back. Oh, yeah. That no, that's fine. Yeah. Got to go harder than that. Who cares? No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 5 2 win, Dylan Larkin big with the win. hat trick. Um, just thought we'd mention that. Um, you know. Coming out of the break and, you know, right across the river from Detroit, Michigan, Windsor Spitfires, not looking too great. Uh, they are down 2 nothing to the Kitchen yeah. Rangers, heading back to the Kitchen Memorial Auditorium, 5-3 in game one. And as I mentioned just before we hit the break, uh, Kitchener with the shutout, Marco Costantini uh, beating Windsor 4 nothing. Colin, what the heck is going on with the Spits? I mean – uh, Joey Costanzo getting the starts for yeah. games one and two. Uh, Matt Anishka not in the goal, although uh, Costanzo was pulled in game number two. Um, what's going on with the Spitfires, Colin? Because the auditorium is not very easy to play in, especially down 2 yeah. nothing in the playoffs. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, the chances of Windsor coming back home winning both games are – I mean, maybe 50-50. I mean, it's tough, right? It's going to be a tough one. You can never make a guaranteed pick 
going into the odd for the visiting team at any time, especially in the playoffs. But I think it's just Kitchener Rangers playing such good hockey. I mean, Winters limped up a little bit. They've limped into the playoffs, no doubt about it. There's some injuries there. And I think we're going to see here in Kitchener how good of a coach Mark Zavard is. I mean, he's a very good coach, but we're going to really see that now in Kitchener mm-hmm. as the series shifts. The matchup's no longer there. That's the scary part in the playoffs. The matchup's become so big and so crucial in a series. And this one's massive because now the Kitchener Rangers get the matchup. You know, they can pick who they want to go up against. Do they want to go up against Wright Maggio? How do they want to do this? And um, who do they want to put Penelope up there against um, for the big draws? But it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in Kitchener. But I just think it's the Rangers playing so good, so relentless. I mean, the penalty kill has been incredible for Kitchener. Um, the shorthanded mm-hmm. goals have been good. Um, Maggio's a minus five or minus eight, something like that in the first two games. So that's tough. Um, winter, you just got to get your big guys going. If winter gets their guys going, then it'll be okay. Then they'll start to even out a little bit. But that first, the first two games, I mean, it's scary, right? When you're the best, when you're the top team in the series, you don't want to lose those first two games. I mean, obviously, you don't want to lose any game, but you don't want to lose two and like that at home because the pressure going on the road is massive. I mean, Kitchener has all the momentum now going at home. Um, game three is the momentum swings, but it's all Kitchener right now. I mean, this is a that's a valid. That's not a valid excuse to say that one about momentum because right now Kitchener has all the momentum, and um, they're looking really good. I mean, they looked very they looked very good in the first two games. I mean, I just think it's Kitchener looking very good. Marco Costantini making sixty saves as well in two games is massive. Don't get yeah. me wrong on that one. Yeah. Uh, one thing to note for the Windsor Spitfires as well, they will see Rodwin Denizio, uh return to the lineup for Game Three. So that's obviously a big add in their lineup following one. his shooting the puck out of play suspension, um, which usually you see five games, um, he gets two. So um, he will be back for game number three of this series. Series number two, London Knights get the job done in overtime to go up two games to none on the Owen Sound Last attack. For them. Yeah, we already mentioned that 7 nothing lopsided win in game number one, 5-4 the final score uh, in game number two. Uh, the bud was definitely rocking after George Diaco um, put that into the net. but uh, and, and that was sort of a play that you thought Owen Sound was going to be able to clear the zone. You thought they were going to try and get a breakout yeah. going back the other way. Um, London just hard on the forecheck, and uh, Diaco was rewarded um, thanks to some hard work from his teammates, right? He's able, he's able to beat the uh, yes. Owen Sound goaltender and you know, give his team a 2-0 lead. And I just want to mention that Max McHugh with a big hit in overtime as well. London's just been relentless on the forecheck. They've been mm-hmm. hard in the corners. I mean, they don't lose battles. I mean, one player I really like is Easton Cowan. I think Easton Cowan's a very good hockey player. I, I'm excited to see what he can do in the draft. I'm excited to see what teams take him, what system he'll fit in in the NHL because he's the guy that doesn't lose puck battles. He just wins battles. And, I mean, yeah. Ryan Winterton coming there. Winterton might be their best overall player. Um, Ryan Winterton was a big ad for them in the London Knights. Um Winterton brings that compete level. You saw that in Hamilton last year covering with being with the Bulldogs. You see that compete level that he has. Um, always brings his game face. He's just a gamer. And um, Winterton, Barkey, and Cowan have been so good. And you saw Cowan's game just rise throughout the year. And Barkey as well. But Cowan just doesn't lose puck battles. And he's always in the battle. He's always around the net. He's always got the puck. And when you can ha- win puck battles and you always have the puck, you're a puck magnet, good things happen to you. And there's a little size there. Um, lanky kid, so he's going to fill out yet. And 
I think he's a very good player. I think he'd be a good draft. I think he's a good one at the next level to take a chance on in the draft. Um, most definitely, I believe he gets drafted. So I'm excited to see what happens with him in his draft and him as a personal level as a player. But London looks good. And, I mean, Owen, credit to Owen Sound. I mean, Owen Sound bounced back in game two. I mean, you take him to overtime. Um, Owen Sound had a lot of injuries. I mean, guys aren't playing 100% on any team right now in the playoffs. Nah. Yeah. Owen Sound definitely has guys that aren't playing 100% guaranteed. But Owen Sound is kind of doing what the Hamilton Bulldogs are doing over in the Eastern Conference where you're just going to try to play physical. You're going to try to wear them down in the corner. You're going to try to play physical. And you see a lot of that, right? You see some frustrations, Owen Owen Sound, I like by the looks of it. I mean, you see some frustration. So that's one thing, but you're back at home now at the Bay Shore. The Bay Shore is going to be loud. I mean, a divisional team, you're playing the London Knights in the Bay Shore. Owen Sound's going to get up for that when they play the London Knights. Um, so that's a big one. Tuesday night. So tonight, that game, game three be taking place at the Bay Shore. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm excited to see that. And uh, I think Owen Sound is going to continue to be physical. You know, they're going to try to wear down the London Knights. I mean, because you're not going to outskill that team. And as I mentioned about Hamilton and Barry, I mean, Barry's a more, way more skilled team than Hamilton is. But yeah. it's just the physicality. It's got to be in the right spots. You got to have details in your game. And sometimes when you run around, sometimes when you run around like a top, right? Those spin tops that just go around, bang around for 30 seconds, and then they stop. Those can be those can be tough, right? Because you get out of detail, right? You get out of defensive positioning, you you leave gaps in. You saw that in game one where Owen Sound tried to be so physical and then London just picked him apart. You got to stick to the game plan. You can't run around too much, but you got to finish your checks. That's important. Um, and that's one thing there, what I see in Owen Sound. I think you're, you're trying to, because I don't think they're going to outskill them. They have skill, but I think it's a year too soon. Next year, Owen Sound will be a very good hockey team. They'll be a contender for sure. But I think it's just a year too soon to see what's going to happen. And uh, I think you're just going to try to be physical with London. Hopefully they can break them down. And uh, get chances that way, but that's playoff hockey, right? You're going to see that in the postseason, but that's a, that's what I'm getting from that one so far from what I've saw. Yeah, uh, shout out to show guest, um, show intern Gavin Bryant. Um, despite Owen Sound getting outscored 12 to 4, um, he is a plus one in this series, and I thought he's had a lot of good shifts. So I just wanted to give a shout out to him. Um, yeah, who hasn't really played a whole lot this season. So um, to be having that kind of an no. impact, despite being down two games to none, uh, I just wanted to shout that out. So um, keep killing it, Gavin. Um, and yeah, let's see it. Let's see a rock the Bay Shore. That should be a that should be a fun series to watch uh, up in Owen Sound. Um, also, a two nothing series lead for the Sarnia Sting over the Guelph Storm. Uh, again, a situation where you get a lopsided score in game number one, albeit not seven nothing. It was five nothing mm-hmm. um, in game number one at Progressive Auto Sales Arena uh, in Sarnia, and then a five four overtime victory for the Sarnia Sting in game two to book them up two games to none. And an interesting note um, from game two: Patrick Lever was not in the Guelph Storm net. Um, however well, far you want to look into that, um, you know, do it as you will. But, uh, um, yeah. I thought Gillespie still played good. I did too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I think Guelph, despite the loss, they still needed a close game to really get themselves <laughs> engaged to understand Guelph, what playoff hockey is. Guelph should have won this hockey game. I mean, one for eight on the power play. Um, is the big one on April 2nd on Sunday. I mean, you got to be better on the power play. One for eight yeah. in the postseason. I mean, I get it. The penalty kill, 
they start to read the tendencies a little bit, right? You get start to cheat a little bit, but one for eight, you got to find a way. Um, and that can't happen. And it's not Gillespie's fault by any means. I mean, sometimes when you see a team give up five, right? You look at the goaltending numbers right away, but it wasn't his fault by any means. Third star in the game, and rightly so. And one for eight isn't going to cut it in the postseason. I mean, one for four was Sarnia, which is pretty good. Um, one for four, but you got to be, Guelph's got to be better on the power play. I mean, that's a game where if you're Guelph, you look at it, and it's like, you know, we had eight opportunities and we scored once. If we could have had one more, just one more, we win the game. And it's that's something that's got to be better um, for the Guelph Storm now that the series shifts back to Sleeman Center. And, you know, hey, and by the way, shout out to Guelph. The attendance has been up in Guelph this year. I mean, Guelph sold out, has been selling out games in the last half of the season as they've been on that run going into the playoffs. I mean, two of the hottest teams in the Western Conference coming in. So you got to be better on the power play if you're Guelph at home, but the matchup will most certainly help them. And also an unfortunate scene that happened the Sarnia game on Sunday with Dillingham with the high hit. I don't know, Reese, you saw the hit. Mm-hmm. Um, dangerous hit. Dangerous hit there. I don't think we'll see him for the rest of the series. I think that's five games. I don't know about you, but I think that's five games. Yeah, um, I, I think it's clear to say that we'll probably see the Sarnia spirit – or Sarnia spirit, wow. Uh, Sarnia sting move on um, in the playoffs. will probably eliminate the Guelph storm. Again, game still to be determined, but I think we wait to see Dillingham until round number two. Um, kind of like with Sahil mm-hmm. Panwar um, with Hamilton, they really didn't announce a uh, a suspension no, total until yeah until after game three. You know, you look Monday morning, and of course, league office has to open. Um, but you know, we saw the two games which he served. He'll be back for game four. I think it might be a situation like that where we don't see him the rest of uh, this first round. I'd say three games, and I think Sarnia gets it done in five or less. So I think that's where we're probably looking at three or four yeah, games. I see five. For Dillingham. I see five. I see the rest of this series in the first, and if it doesn't go seven, I see the first couple of games in the next series, at least not until game three and next round if they were to sweep. But mm-hmm. I, uh, I just don't see it like you got a guy at center ice and you see the intent i mean it's, it doesn't look good right when you see the head elbow head area that just doesn't go that doesn't add up the math right. doesn't work on that one and um that was a tough one that was a tough one i mean and there's a lot of play there's a lot of plays around the league the suspension i don't know what the standard is at all um no, very frankly no. i just give up on that I, I give up on what is the standard and what isn't i mean there's a lot of frustration going around and i mean I know I've been hearing it a lot, but working for the team, for the Bulldogs, I mean, you see the Brant Clark situation. And, hey, I'll be the first one to admit it. The hit on Bo Gelsman was high, too. I was surprised it was just two games. Um, So it's been interesting to see what's going on right now with the standard. Um, I don't know what it is. I I really don't. And that's one of those where I think it should be five, but I wouldn't be surprised of what number it is um, Mm -hmm. at this point. All right, final series in the Western Conference, Saginaw Spirit and uh, and Flint Firebirds, of course, currently playing game number three as we record on Monday night. So this series total will change. But through the first two games, uh, Saginaw has won them both. They won game one, seven to one, and they took game two, four to one. Um, and talk about Saginaw shutting down your opponent. 
Um, you know, they get awarded the Memorial Cup and immediately they shut it down defensively. You know, one goal against in each of the first two games. Um, home crowd very much engaged um, at the Dow. Yeah. Tough to say that they kept them out of the home plate area. Tough to say that Saginaw didn't limit shots on goal, especially in game one, 35 to 20. That's where you just need your goalie to be awesome. Uh, Tristan Lennox getting the job done um, there in game number one. And I mean, you're not going to win nine times out of 10 when you give up seven, but um, um, it helped that the Flint Firebirds were not good um, uh, in their net for that one. And then you outshoot Flint 26, 17, um, you kind of got a better understanding of what they were going to try to do in the playoffs. So um, with a 7-1 and 4-1 victory, Saginaw up 2 nothing, And as we're recording, again, it'll mean nothing when this uh, episode debuts on Tuesday. Uh, Saginaw Spirit are currently up on Flint in game number three as well. Yeah. 100% agreed with you, Reese. I mean, game one, I mean, what was going on there? You know, he out shoot him 35-20, to 20, as you mentioned, if you're the Flint Firebirds and lose 7-1. That rarely yeah. happens. Um, that really happens, and that just shows how we shut off the top, right? Attention to detail in the first round. Game one, you can tend to sleepwalk. You can tend to not feel great. Your game's not great in that game, but you can get away with it. And mm-hmm. that's something there where the Flint Firebirds, they didn't get away with it because maybe they had, to get, they had a good offensive game, but they didn't obviously didn't score a lot of goals, so you weren't that good offensively. But, you know, you give up to them. Too many prime opportunities. Next thing you know, you're getting the puck out of your net seven times, right? And you lose seven one, yeah. and you got to be more attention to detail. It could have been, hey, we want to come out guns a blazing, right, and give up a lot of chance. We're going to give up a lot of chances, but we're going to try to get a lot of chances. And uh, Lennox stands tall for sure. And um, most definitely, I mean, Flint, kind of a little bit of luck, but you get, you lose seven one game one. That's not really luck. And then game two, obviously, a little bit closer, but. Flint, I mean, I didn't think that I did not think this was going to be the series. The first two games, I did not think it would be too well. I'm very surprised. I'm kind of shocked about that one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had Flint in six. You had Saginaw in seven, I believe. Definitely not looking that way. Um, yeah. Right now. Um, all right. To the Eastern Conference, Ottawa 67s lead the Oshawa Generals two games to none. That started with a 7 nothing victory. Uh, in game number one, by the way, these games took place across the border, not an actual border, just, you know, into Quebec at the slush, slush puppy center, which I think is the best arena name of all time. Um, the Ottawa 67s outshoot the generals 56 to 16, three for eight on the power play, won the face off battle 33 to 27, two goals in the first. Two goals in the second, three goals in the third, en route to a 7 nothing victory uh, for the 67s in game one. Game two followed it up with a 3-2 win um, in Quebec as well before the series shifts to Oshawa. You know, the number one seeded 67s winning the Hamilton Spectator Trophy, Colin, kind of where we saw the yeah. series going. I mean, 7 nothing again, you hate seeing lopsided wins in the playoffs but you kind of thought that that could you know happen at least once or twice in this series. Yeah. and But you know what, though? I said if Oshawa is going to win a game, they're going to win game three. Um, and I just want to skip right to game two. If I'm Oshawa, I forget about game one because game two, you only get outshot by two. You lose three, two to the best mm-hmm. team in the Ontario Hockey League. That's a pop. That's a plus. Nobody expected the Oshawa Generals to win this series. 
quite frankly. But the one thing Oshawa has that some teams don't, they have heart. They do play with a lot of heart. And I, sometimes I admire watching Oshawa play because they're there for each other. I mean, the rubric trade was incredible. It was incredible because, it, quite frankly, in Niagara, Niagara didn't use him. Um, it wasn't great both ways. He goes to Oshawa. He finds some life in his game. And, I mean, hey, congratulations, man. Like, congratulations because that's the way you want to play. That's your that's the type of game you play. He's a big forward, hard on the forecheck. And those guys mm-hmm. are playing good hockey. There was nothing wrong with that series, uh, with game two. They're rating right that series one for two on the power play. Ottawa was one for five. You know, maybe get the puck a little bit more. Faceoffs in the in game two, 37 wins for Ottawa, 30 for Oshawa. That's really not a big divider when you see the other no. series faceoff dots. Um, the shots on goal, as I mentioned, 33 for Ottawa, 31 for Oshawa. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Obviously, it sucks you lose, but that experience you're gaining for guys like Seneca, um, Callum Ritchie in his draft year, those guys, that's important. That's very important for your culture. And I mean, hey, Seneca scores a goal. Um, Ritchie scores a goal in game two. That's massive. Oster and net, you get to see that. I'm very excited for this Oshawa Generals team in the future because this is a playoff experience you're gaining from playing the 67s. And hey, you were right there. You were right there mm-hmm. in that game. And coming back home to Oshawa, there's momentum there. You know, you're in the game. You know you can play with them now. When you're in a 3-2 game, you know you can play with them. They have to come to Oshawa now, and now you see what happens if you're the Generals. But, hey, I'm proud of that effort on Sunday. If I'm a Generals fan, I'm very proud of my team. They went You you going into that game, too, after losing 7 nothing. you're not feeling too good. You are not feeling too good at all. And, that's a, and you walk out just losing by one in a game where you played pretty good, you got to be excited about that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You're playing good hockey. You got to play your best. Sometimes when you're playing the best team in the Ontario Hockey League, like the Ottawa 67s are, and they've been there all season long, and they've showcased that, sometimes you got to find the positives in the negatives. And that's definitely a positive. I know in the playoffs, it's hard to do that. When you're the eight, one first eight, and no one really picked you to win, that's a plus. And I mean, I had Osh- I had Ottawa in five. I have Oshawa winning a game because I love the way they play. They have those games where teams sleep on them, and all of a sudden they sneak a game out. And I'm very excited to see how Oshawa can finish this series. I, now that I say that, I hope it's not seven eight nothing on Tuesday evening tonight against the 67s. I hope it's not one of those games. But I'm excited to see where this team can go for the future out of this playoff run in Oshawa. And I mean, Ottawa, Ottawa on Thursday night, game one, they just did what they were supposed to do. They just took advantage of a te- of a one-versus-eight matchup. They're away, and they're loaded, and everyone knows that. And they just did what they were supposed to do, and hey, they go out and acquire guys like Morris and Mintikoff. You see them putting up points in Logan Morrison, right? So guys like that, they're just doing what they're supposed to do, and that's sometimes what you see in the one-versus-eight series. But Ottawa looks really good, and Oshawa, hey, I'm loving the heart out there. You're really seeing them showcase that. You're seeing them play with a lot of heart. And you're, they're playing for each other, and they're playing hard. And I, I really respect that. I mean, obviously, you're not going to write any team off, and I would never do that. But I honestly believe Oshawa's going to win a game in this series. There isn't – I never thought there'd be a sweep in the first round. But, I, I, you know, this one you could see it happening because Ottawa's so good. And they're by far the best team in – well, not by far, but they are the best team in the Ontario Hockey League. You could see that happening. But it's going to be a good series. I really do think Oshawa can sneak one out at home. I have a feeling – and 
if they don't, they're going to, they're going to play close games. I don't think it'll be too, there might be a wide one, but I think they're going to battle and they're going to showcase that. Cause remember, remember a couple of seasons ago, Reese, like well, last year in the NHL with the Red Wings, us being Red Wing fans, and you see guys like Boris Sider get called up and Lucas Raymond, you see the heart, right? You see how it's fun to watch. And you're really seeing that in Oshawa. The results aren't there, but they're playing hard. And I respect the heck out of that. Absolutely. So I think, I hope that they're close games. And I really think Oshawa is going to be in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two versus seven in the Eastern Conference, North Bay Battalion, Mississauga Steelheads, 1 1. Heading back to the place that I still like calling the Hershey yeah. Center because that's a lot more fun than the name right now. Uh, five to one, the final score in game one in favor of the North Bay Battalion. Mississauga answers a 4 3 road victory in game number two. That 5 1 game, again, this is, this is something you look at if you're Mississauga that probably fueled a lot of that energy in game number two that allowed you to come out with that four, three win. You know, I mean, four goals in the second period really isn't phenomenal, yeah. but that was really the lone period that like dumped you that absolutely took you out of the game. Um, they were perfect on the penalty kill in mm-hmm. game one. They were, you know, North Bay over five on the power play. Mississauga won that battle. They were one for five. Yeah, well, maybe that led to a little momentum swing there, allowing North Bay to put up four in that second period. But Mississauga outshoots North Bay 37-28 in the game. They destroy them in the faceoff circle, 41-23. to They win that battle. I mean, a lot of this game looks like Mississauga should have been a lot more competitive than a 5-1 game because they were, right? 5-1 I don't think really actually shows kind of yeah. how this game went about, right? You know, again, 100%. it's really just one stretch that can do you in for, for a game in the playoffs, right? Um, that four-goal second period won it for North Bay. Um, yep. You know, I, I hate looking at a style like this when you're down 5 nothing. Well, like the third period um, in game two. Yeah, but, you know, Mississauga wins the third period, one nothing in game one, heading in to game number two. And, yeah, like you said, um, it's a 4-3 victory. Um, Mississauga wins the first period in game two, one, nothing, uh, second period again, really it's one 20 minute stretch that was not good. Three goals in the second, they've given up seven total in the second period through the first two games. Yeah. they outshoot the battalion 44, 26, perfect on the penalty kill. North Bay goes over four Mississauga's two for five faceoffs favored North Bay in this one but again a lot of the categories point to the Mississauga Steelheads and you know I've got the North Bay Battalion winning the OHL championship um these numbers don't look like an OHL champion going up or potentially an OHL no. champion going up against a team that finished 7th and you finished 2nd yeah 100% I mean that second period for young teams this year you look around you look around the Ontario Hockey League and the goal differential in the second period especially the teams that sold the deadline, Mississauga, Hamilton. Um, they just – you see the second period, right? I think it's just the youth. The first period, they'll have the energy. They'll come out. But then that second period, right, Then yeah. after the first scrape, then you come out and you just lay an egg. And we've saw that so far this year from a lot of younger teams, and it's going to happen with the youth. Um, it's hard to play a full 60 minutes, and obviously that's the most crucial part of winning a hockey game. you got to play a full 60. And, uh, yeah, giving up th- seven in the second period isn't great. And um, on the road, hopefully that gets cleaned up at home. I mean, James Richmond's a very good coach. He's going to figure that out. 
And the shots mm-hmm. on goal in game two for Mississauga, 44 to 26, um, two for five on the power play. Mississauga was um, that's that's going to win you. That's going to win you a road playoff game. If you're a Steelhead fan or a player or anyone with the Steelheads, that's going to win you a road playoff game any day of the week. And uh, that's big. You got to win a special teams matchup. You got to have the puck the best you can. You got to win face offs. I was just a face off favorite North Bay, 32 23. But you got to be able to win the puck. You got to have possession and you got to forecheck. You have to forecheck hard because, hey, when Ryan Ulahan's very good at the matchup, North Bay is deeper than Mississauga. And um, that's something there where you got to find a way to just battle. You got to battle. You're going to be in spots. You got to make that extra save if you're leaners. You have to make that extra save to keep your team in the game. But that's something there where you got to watch for down the stretch here as the series shifts with the matchup. Guys like James Hardy, who have excellent leadership for the Mississauga Steelheads. That's why you're always going to see this be a competitive series, which it should be. And then North Bay, I think, hey, it's 1 1. You just got to win one game in North Bay. And I mean, hey, they're going to have a fan bus going to Mississauga from North Bay. That's exciting. That is yeah. exciting. So that's fun to see. And you know, they're going to have energy because this North Bay team has shown that they have heart throughout the year. And I'm excited to see what can happen. I mean, hey, you have them as the OHL champion for a reason. And um, North Bay is definitely a good hockey team. And it's only one game. And the sun comes up the next day. Yeah. If you're a battalion fan, I mean, hey, it's one game. You're going to lose games. If you think you're going to go 16-0 and in the playoffs, you're laughing. That will never happen. <laughs> uh, three versus six. Barry Colts, Hamilton Bulldogs. Barry leads Two games to one. Sahil Panwar exits game one, a 10-2 lopsided victory um, for the Colts, as does Bo Gelsma, of course, uh, following that hit. Panwar gets two games. He'll be back for game four. Um, We have not seen Bo since, at least on the ice, um, I should say. Barry follows up game one with a 6-3 victory in game number two. Go up 2-0 heading back um, or heading to first Ontario center where the Bulldogs get their own 6-3 to victory. Colts lose Brant Clark, but in the game, the Bulldogs also lose Florian Jackeye. He leaves for a five-minute cross-check uh, yeah, to Brant was... Clark, so he gets five in a game. Uh, Clark gets five in a game for kneeing. He will get a one-game suspension as well and will miss game four, but be back for game five back at Sadlon Arena. Um. Real chippy series, Colin. Um, yeah. Hamilton fans are all over Brant Clark. Um, I it, one of the more entertaining series, I can say that in the first round. Um, can't say there ain't a whole lot the of games lulls haven't been close though. in these games. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? How do you I look at it? As Sunday was close. Right? Empty net goals, two empty net goals, right? You know what this is? I mean, in this year, in this series, Reese. The Barry Colts are clearly the more skilled team. Um, I know covering the Bulldogs, and hey, I'm not biased on this show at all. The Barry Colts are the more skilled team, 100, without a doubt. They are the more skilled team. But hey, the thing is, yeah. Jay McKee's a really good coach. And the Hamilton Bulldogs, one thing throughout this year is they're going to battle. They're going to play physical. And they've been all over Brant Clark. They've been finishing their checks on the four check. They've been hard on the four check. Sunday, they were relentless on the four check. That was the Hamilton Bulldogs' best game of the year, I would say. Um, they had to win. That was a game seven for them. That was like being down three games to nothing in that game, especially at home. And you're seeing them play desperate hockey. And we've saw that this year with the Hamilton Bulldogs. And they said that last week on the preview. The Hamilton Bulldogs this year, when they lose a couple in a row, they bounce back and they bounce back in a big way. 
they've they've beaten big teams. You know, they've won back to back. They've showed that. I mean, they split the season series with the Barry Colts too, too. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a closer series than you think. But the Barry Colts are a more skilled team. Brant Clark being out, though, that changes the series. One game, albeit we don't know. I'm not going to get into it, honestly. I'm not even going to get into the how many games it should have been because I, I'm not a fan of the slew foot. And hey, like I said off the top, I wasn't I was surprised that it wasn't three games for Sahil Panwar in a way. Um, because not just because I know Bo and I reached out to Bo to say, hey, I hope everything's okay. Um, which you know that's terrible. I mean, I hope Bo's okay. I mean, game one, Bo was incredible, um, by the way. So good for him. And uh, can't wait to see him back because he's all he's a very fun player to watch play hockey and very good at what he does. Um, respect the heck out of his game. And he's gonna be a drafted player this summer for sure in the NHL. So I'm excited for that. But the Barry Colts are a more skilled team. But Panwar, I thought should have got three. And I thought Brant Clark should have got three. Um, quite frankly, we got to keep it even on those. And you see a you see the foot coming out, and it's a dangerous play. I mean, you see it every year. And this to me, and me being a Red Wing fan growing up, I'm never gonna forget Nick Cronwell's second last year when Brad Marsh shot slew foot him behind the right over the blue line out of nowhere. I'm never going to forget that because I respect the, I respected the heck out of Nick Cronwall's game. Um, I thought he was one of the most underrated defensemen in Red Wings history, and they've had a lot of them. But I, I really respected his game. And when I see a slew foot like that, it's so dangerous. And not just because I saw that. You see it all the time. Guys break their legs. Um, it's a dangerous play. It, it should have been evened up. It should have been three for Panwar, three for Clark. That's the way it should have been. That's the standard. That's the way the standard's been every single year until the last, since we've come back from 2020, from 2020. Once we came back from there, the suspensions have been crazy. We're seeing body checks out here in the playoffs. Max McHugh has the best hit of the season on Sunday. Now I'm getting angry, but has the best hit of the season. We see him turn around and look at the referee think he's getting a penalty. Bud Gardens is going crazy. It's overtime. It's going crazy. That's perfect for the game. It's a clean hit. And the crowd is going crazy. That's hockey. It's a skill to be able to body check. It is a skill. I played with so many guys, Reese, that where all of a sudden they start getting hit. They're nothing. But with when there's no body contact, they're Gretzky. Well, I'm not going to compare it to anyone to the great one, but they're a great hockey player. But you put body contact in. And then I played with guys where you throw a body check. All of a sudden we get in checking. They're already skilled. Then they get developed and then they, they can check. All of a sudden, they're good hockey players, right? You can do it all. Um, I just, I'm very angry about the standard, and I know there's a lot of questions about the from fans and stuff going on about this. And this isn't bias at all. I, as I keep mentioning, Seal Panwar should have got three. I'm very surprised Florian Jack I didn't get a game because when you watch the replay in slow motion, you do see the hit to the head. You do mm-hmm. see a cross check to the back of the neck. That is very surprising to me. And then three. The Brant Clark thing, there's three, four slot strides there with his foot out. That's there is intent there. Lawson Shirk has been going at Brant Clark all series in the matchup. Lawson Shirk is a shutdown to shutdown forward. That his line is going to be on the matchup against Barry's top line. There, there was something there. When you see the matchup and when you're following every game throughout the series it closely like that, and when you're around the team, you know what is and isn't. That one was. Um in, in my opinion, it should have been 3-3-2 three, three, um, out of the suspensions. I really do. 
um, player safety is above all of this. Hey, I got a good buddy that just got hurt for the Barry Colts. We don't want that to happen. So um, I'm, it's going to be even here. I'm just going to say it the way it is. And this series that Barry Colts, they are the more skilled team. They are. But the Hamilton Bulldogs are going to battle. They're going to check and they're going to finish their checks. But like I said earlier about Owen Sound, you have to stick to the detail. I thought game one was a was way too much run around by the Hamilton Bulldogs. I thought that was way too much of move, too much non-detail there. There was too much hitting, too fast. The Barry Colts are a fast team, and I don't think the Bulldogs can keep up to the pace until they got back home and they changed that system. We saw at the end of game two on the first on Saturday in the 6-3 Barry Colts win, we saw Hamilton adapt and play more drop those guys back go one three one or four one at points we've saw but mostly one three one in the neutral zone and take the take the space away and that's something Hamilton has to do. I think that could be a dangerous thing. And I think this series could go the distance if that can continue to go Hamilton's way in the system. Because if Hamilton can continue to play that same system, this is going to be a series 100 percent because they're tough. It's a tough team to play against. Plus Mateo Drobak's ability to win games. Mm-hmm. And but the goaltending has been great. Um, I think the standard hasn't really been good in this series in particular because we're seeing it. What is what? Um, every single hit, you're wondering, what's, what is it? What it what's going to happen here? And it, at a point, it looks like during the game, the officials don't even know what to call. Um, I mean, with the Brant Clark knee, you didn't even know that it was a major because it wasn't announced in-house until after the period. Then it was announced. But it was just something you know that was like, what is going on here? And this, the series has to be more correct. It has to be more, I think, engaged by officials. I think you have mm-hmm. to be more hands-on in this series or it's going to get out of hand. And I think here, when you're looking at Barry, they are the more skilled team. They're the faster team. But Hamilton is definitely the more physical team. And when size and physicality meets skill, it's going to be interesting to see what will happen. But I think this could go the distance if Hamilton continues to play that 1-3-1 one, one, or the 4-1 in the neutral zone blue line area of their own end, um, getting bury that space that they can't get through that, uh, this could be a good series, um, and go the distance for sure. Big one. Two, yeah. And inter- yeah. And an interesting note on the goaltenders, like you mentioned, we saw Tristan Malbuff start games one and two for Hamilton, uh, Mateo drove back between the pipes for game number three and picks up the win. Uh, whereas Anson Thornton, again, six goals went into the Barry net in game number three, uh, only four beat him. So um, he's been very good uh, in this series, I thought. Uh, Barry leads 2-1 to one heading into game four at first Ontario Centre on Tuesday. Last series to get to, Peterborough Peets and Sudbury Wolves. Peets lead 2-0 in a series that has been one of the closest so far in these OHL playoffs. We're looking at a 4-2 Peterborough win um, in game one and a 2-1 win. In game number two, I thought Kevin Prezard has been very good in this series. You know, we talk about him looking awkward, him being a goaltender that no, that's not really a style that you see very often, right? A guy who's huge, takes up a lot of the net, right? So really he doesn't have to yeah. do a whole lot of moving. But again, just looks awkward. A guy that you definitely want moving side to side, um, you know, being able to open up. You know, the far side, two on one, three on two, just making him not be still. Um, and then, on, you know, again, another thing for the Sudbury Wolves that I've noticed and uh, something that we've talked about throughout this season, Colin, is 
you know, taking it to Brennan Othman, right? And it seems like a common theme with these Don Mills Flyers guys <laughs> um, with Shane Wright on Windsor, um, Brent Clark on Brent Barry, Clark. of course, Brennan Othman uh, on Peterborough, right? Sudbury is making it very hard for Brennan Othman um, to create space. And not that Othman hasn't been good in this series. I thought he's looked pretty good um, through the first two games, but Sudbury has really zoned in on him to try and make him uncomfortable, right? And I mean, it, you have you can't take all of them. Peterborough just has so many stars up front, so many guys that can score goals. Um, but it's really looking like that main focus is on Brennan Othman. And, you know, if you talk about the Sudbury Wolves, if you thought that the goal differential through two games would be three, I think a lot of people would have thought it would have been higher. I think a lot of people would have picked Peterborough to be way out in front in this series. But it is really close. And heading back to Sudbury, I like the Wolves' chances in their own building. I like well, the their game. The, yeah, I like the way they've played in this series so far. Am I picking Sudbury to win the series? Absolutely not. Peterborough is still my favorite to take this one. Um, but but I think Sudbury's chances following these two efforts on the road puts them in a good position to get back in the series two to one, and then you know yes. look at evening it up, right? Because for Sudbury, it's big to just focus on game three and not look ahead to as you've already won game three and you're looking to tie the series, right? It's about period after period, focus on game three, get through that, stick to the game plan. I thought it's worked out very well. Um, you, ju- you just have to find a way to beat Michael Simpson more. Um, you got to be able to score oh, more not, goals uh, in the OHL playoffs. You can't win with two goals in a game. And very rarely will you win with one goal in a game. So, um, you know, but like I said, this has been the closest series by far, and it's been a very entertaining series, I would have to say. Um, you know, Peterborough really bringing the rough stuff like we saw last year in round one against Hamilton, and uh, Sudbury's doing the exact same. Yeah, the one thing in this series are the Sudbury Wolves got to be better, and they got to tighten up defensively. Way too many shots are giving up 38 and 55. That's way too many shots in the first two games yeah. to give up. Um, I'm really liking the job. I mean, obviously, I got to shout this one out. Being from the Delhi, Ontario, Landon McCallum, I really, I'm really impressed with the job he's doing. You know, he's going to be out there against their best players and really play on the edge. I know he's got a couple of invites there for the training for training camp around the National Hockey League. So, congrats to Landon. Um, and you're starting to see that that role he was expected to play when he was drafted. I mean, this would be he was drafted for right, be a contribute points wise. And be on that shot line, play against the other team's best players, and that's something Landon can do now, and he's showing that. But you definitely got to see the Sudbury Wolves play a little tighter defensively against Peterborough Peets because I think right now it's a little bit of a free-for-all for the Peets there, shot-wise, giving up way mm-hmm. too many prime opportunities. I mean, Broussard's been great, and um, they're lucky he's been playing good because this series would be even worse than what it is um, score-wise if it wasn't for him. Too many shots are giving up, and uh, they got to tighten up. That should tighten up at home. Um, that should be a thing that you'll see change the series. All series change when they change venues. I'm, I'm, I think that's the thing I've been saying the most this show. Um, how series change, and I mean this is one of them, right? And it's gonna sound, it's, it's gonna sound cliche, but it's so true because like when you move, you get the matchup, you get all the details, you have the video, you have that chance to breathe again, right? You're back at home, you're back familiar, and you know things. You know where you know what's gonna happen. You can control more when you're at home with the matchup and stuff and i think this is a series where the Sudbury wolves can really be physical and which they have to be and i think with the matchup they can be more engaged more competitive in the ozone get more chances because they'll have matchups they can sneak their top line out there with Goyette, musty they can sneak those guys out there now and not against 
the Othmans or the Tucker Robertsons. You know, you don't have to sneak them out there against those guys. Beck, Othman, Hayes, you don't have, to have those guys out there against them. And that's a huge plus for the Sudbury Wolves because you're going to get more chances. You just need that secondary line in that shutdown line to be very good in Sudbury for the Wolves to have a chance in this series. But the Peterborough Peets, I mean, hey, good start to this, good start to the playoffs for them because, quite frankly, going in, you did not think it would be 2 nothing coming back to Sudbury. You would think this would be a different series the way the Peets played in that second half after the deadline. But you're starting to see similar to the Kitchener Rangers, right? Those two teams built were built to win, quite frankly. And you're seeing that right now through two games in their respective series. You're seeing that here where they're starting to play a little bit better and they're playing what you thought they were supposed to be. And um, that's huge. That's huge for those teams. All right. There's our thoughts on the first two slash three games of, of certain series. Um, and it's just going to get better and better uh, as we move on. But uh, time for a break. We're already in overtime, uh, but it's time to look back at the 2020 OHL priority selection. Do a redraft. Should be a fun way to end this week's show. So that's coming up next here on the OHL in 60 podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Maney along with Colin Ward. One final segment before we round out the show for this week, and we will redraft the class of 2020. Just read you the first five before we begin. First five that actually happened. Uh, number one overall, Ty Nelson to the North Bay Battalion. Number two, Pano Femis goes to the Niagara Ice Dogs. Max Nemesnikov goes to Sarnia, third overall. Bryce McConnell-Barker is picked by the Sioux Greyhounds, fourth. And Paul Ledwinski goes to Kingston at five. And for any Bulldogs fans listening on the Bulldogs Audio Network, that is the year Hamilton took Jorian Donovan, sixth overall. Um, So, Colin, we'll do the first five. Start at five, or do you want to start at one? Uh, might start as well at start one. at one. Yeah, we'll start at one. Um, right. Does it change for you, Colin? Do you still have Nelson going oh. one? Who's your first Yeah, pick? there's a change. Yeah, there is a big change. And it's originally he was taken 29th overall. in the So second round, Owen Beck goes first overall. The North Bay Battalion select Owen Beck. Back in the second round's a steal. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Yeah, he – uh. And again, we'll look at late, late um, picks as we go on here. But uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, great pick by Mississauga. Very late. Um, value. Not very a couple late, here but in this draft. You, know, you know, in the second round, you wouldn't expect him um, to be there. Honestly, mine doesn't change. I'm taking Ty Nelson first overall. Um, that doesn't change for me. I think the player that he's grown into, the offensive skill that he has. Um, his skating ability exactly. to go 200 feet, yeah, he, he's a very hard worker. Um, he's more than likely the best defenseman you're going to see on the ice at any given time. Um, that doesn't change. Ty Nelson's still number one for me. He goes to North Bay. 100%. Um, second overall for me, originally winning first overall. The Niagara Ice Ducks select Ty Nelson. Um, 
Ty Nelson for me, as you mentioned, I mean, he's so skilled. He's the best defenseman in this draft. Um, very good player. Any given night, he can change the game, right? Um, his ability to change games is so incredible to watch. Um, just does the little things. I mean, it's one of those – we saw last year up close with Nathan Steos, right, where guys get the puck like that, good defense, they can slow the game down, but they're going 100 miles an hour. It's so mm-hmm. impressive. And Ty Nelson is such a high motor. He's a quick thinker. And you can see that in his play. And uh, very good player, smart kid. Um, and Seattle definitely has a good one with him. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, we're going to reverse ours. Um, Owen Beck's number two for me. Uh, that is solely based on him being awesome because he has turned out to a really, really phenomenal player. And again, making Mississauga look like genius has taken him uh, 29th overall, despite him being a part of the Peterborough Peets now. Um, definitely one of those players that uh, just just can impact the game in so many different ways. Um, so he goes number two for me. Colin, who is number three? Yeah, three for me, Paul Ludwinski, Kingston Frontenacs. Ludwinski originally went fifth overall to Kingston, and I am going to go him going to Sarnia at number three overall in the 2020 draft. Paul Ludwinski um, goes to Sarnia. What a player. Um, really like that Really like that pick for uh, Kingston. Very good player. Changes the game. I liked him when he was drafted. Big guy. Um, second round pick to Chicago in the National Hockey League draft. I really like his playmaking abilities, and I think he's so big and he uses his size well. So Paul Edwinski to me is the third pick in the 2020 draft. Uh, yeah, yeah, very big part of uh, of what Kingston's trying to do. I agree with that. Um, uh, number three, uh, this might be a little off the board, but I really like the player that he could develop into and kind of the guy that he developed into um, from Mississauga, um, Zach Lavoie. Um, I think he goes wow. three to Sarnia. I like him. I like okay. him. Um, you know, I, I, being in Niagara, it's really tough to say that um, he was an impact player with the amount of losses they had. Um, but but that just showed um, just on how high of a level he is compared to the rest of his teammates in Niagara. And again, that's not a shot at any certain player. Um, I just think Zach Lavoie is, um, you know, just just way higher skill level than a lot of those other players. I think there's still a lot that he has to offer. Um, I like what his next season is going to look like. He's going to be front and center for the Ice Dogs. Um, Just the shot um, from Zach Lavoie. We saw numerous times his ability to pick top corners, blocker, glove, um, whether it be the center or the net. Um, I think he has a very good shot. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I have him going three to Sarnia. Again, a little bit off the board. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Zachary Lavoie. All right. Um, my fourth pick, the Sue Gray has originally this pick was in the sixth round, 116th overall. This is the biggest stretch, I think, for me in the draft. Um, the Sue Gray Hounds select fourth overall, Dominic DeVincentis, goaltender, currently at North Bay Battalion. Um, DeVincentis, I mean, he's gonna be the goalie for Canada, the world juniors. He's gonna be a world junior cam next year. I mean, this kid's good. Um, when you watch him play, you saw him last year play a little bit in the OHL playoffs, especially in the Eastern Conference. Finally, saw him play against Hamilton. He played good. He played good in the games. Um, I really like Steven Sentis. He's one of the best goaltenders in our league. And next year, I think he'll be the, the top goaltender. And I had Benjamin Godro last week in my redraft, moving way up. Steven Sentis as well um, for next year. I think this will be a very good pick. So I'm going Steven Sentis for. 
Love it. Love it. Um, for me, number four, um, let me just pull it up here because he originally was taken not as late as that, um, but still um, he was taken 68th overall. Um, London chose him. He's still there. That is a pick from Erie. Fourth rounder, um, Isaiah George. Um, fourth overall to the Sioux Greyhounds. Uh, you know, really turned into into a great player. 23, plus 23 on the season um, is Isaiah George. And he's just just a very not underrated player because a lot of play- people are starting to realize who he is. Um, but yeah. I think a very good pick in the draft. Um, you know, the Islanders had a had, – they they chose correctly a fourth rounder in the OHL fourth rounder in the NHL um, a guy that I could see be playing for the Islanders within the next five years um, just with his development with the Hunters being able to um, understand and as I um, and looking now I screwed that one up sixth round to London fourth round to the Islanders not a numbers guy here at all but uh, um, Isaiah George goes fourth to the Sioux Greyhounds. 100% good pick. And George is one of those guys that would have been a lot higher in the draft just with that U.S. college eligibility there with the commitment for him. Would have been way higher in the draft. It's a good pick, Reese. Who you got five. for five? Five for me, originally taking 11th overall. I mean, he's a drafted player right now, second-round pick in the National Hockey League. The Kingston front next select David Goyette. Um, Goyette, since he's come on the scene, has just racked up points. Um, last year, you saw what Sudbury was record-wise, right? And you're like, look how good Goyette was, right? You just saw him on every board. Every OHL arena you were in or every stat pack you got for people in the media, you always saw David Goyette's name amongst the best. And we have saw that since he's come into the league. David Goyette, to me, is a winner. He's always going to be amongst the best. I think he's going to score everywhere he goes. He's just got that natural ability to get points. And Goyette, to me, is... My fifth pick. I mean, I think that's a lock at fifth overall. Talk about value. Um, when you look at the points he racks up, being a drafted player in the National Hockey League in the second round, um, that's a steal for Sudbury 11. Yeah, I've got Goyette as well. I wanted to get him in my top five. Um, just I had four players higher, and I'm not going to go in too deep with him. You explained it perfectly. I'm not going to repeat anything you said um, because it was all true. Goyette, very, very skilled player. Um, one of the reasons that'll keep Sudbury in this series longer than maybe they should be. Um, so, so I like that. I like that fifth overall um, for David Goyette. Um, but yeah, there's our redraft of the 2020 OHL priority selection as we get closer and closer to the next group of prospects to begin um, their OHL journey. Um, one, one pick I do want to note um, that came in a little bit later in this draft, and we kind of did this with the 2019 um, OHL priority selection. Um, Ty York drafted sixth round, 109th yeah. overall to the Barry Colts. Um Patrick Thomas with Hamilton as well. Yes. Yeah. They pick. Um, yeah, there's a few really talented players here that went late. I mean, we're going to start to see that as years go down. Next year, mm-hmm. if we do a redraft, it's going to be impressive to see where guys go. I mean, Spencer Sova, 
to Erie at eighth overall. You know, it's a high value pick. Hunter eight to Barry. Um, those yeah. are two very good players. Matthew Poitra, twelfth to Guelph. I mean, good draft for Guelph. And hey, Donovan McCoy, fifteenth to Peterborough. Um, the points aren't going to be there for Donovan McCoy, but the defensive play is there. Um, he's so lanky. He's got that reach. I really like watching McCoy. He's a big, big part with that Pete's back end. And then hey, look at Gavin Hayes and Flint, sixteenth overall drafted player. Um, for what he's brought to the table, very good pick. Michael Bushinger, twenty fourth to Guelph. Brady Stonehouse, twenty sixth to Ottawa, is a good one. One hundred and sixtieth overall to Ottawa. Goaltender Colin McKenzie. Yeah, that year. Yeah, he was. He was good that year. I honestly, I liked him in Waterloo. I remember that year. Um, I liked his game. He just battled. He made a lot of big saves for Waterloo in his draft year. Owen Van Steensel to uh, North Bay, a 63rd overall. It's a big one. Noah Van Vliet, fourth round, 66th yeah. overall, OHL champion. Adrian Rabello, 189th overall to Hamilton. There's a few good players here. Andrew Oak in the fifth round, 89th overall. Nolan Collins, 88th overall um, to Sudbury. Yeah, a few good players. Next next week's going to be very interesting to see what happened, where guys go. Ryan Gagne, 115th overall to Peterborough is a good one. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. What else do we got? Um. <laughs> I think one player that uh, Hamilton looks at, and again, whether or not the chances of you getting him to commit or not, um, depending what those chances were. Um, but in round 11, <laughs> yeah, from Pennsylvania, Hamilton Bulldogs, well, they still technically do, um, own the rights to Logan Cooley. Um, yeah. Who is, of course, currently – um, playing his college hockey at the University of Minnesota, but not currently playing because the University of Michigan is at the Frozen Four. I'd just like to mention that for anyone wondering out there, especially you Ohio State fans. So, um, yeah, you won the outdoor whatever. game, but you're not in the Frozen Four. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I know that's brutal. We beat them three out of four, or we beat them four times this year. And then we lose the big one. It sucks. Yeah. Eh, oh, well, lose the big one. No, there's an. Yeah, but they'll win the final four. They always do. They know how to do that. They're good at that. Something that Michigan has. Hey, we chirped the least in segment two, but the Michigan Wolverines haven't won a national championship in football since like 1957. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough to chirp stats. Yeah. No, it is. That's a tough That's one. why all you Leaf fans gotta stop tough. chirping the 67 cup. So um yeah. Just like to mention. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah, that's our show, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, hope you've enjoyed the first week of the OHL playoffs. Another big one coming up. Um, whether your team moves on, whether your team gets eliminated, um, it should be a fun week heading into Easter. Hope everyone enjoys it. Hope everyone has a um, very joyous Easter. Eat lots of, lots of food, lots of turkey, lots of chocolate. Um should be a fun weekend of games. Like I said, your team may be moving on or your team may be eliminated. For your sake, hopefully they're moving on. But uh, if not, we've got to look forward to the next season and look forward to the OHL priority selection. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. My name is Reese Dumaney, my co-host Colin Ward. 
Hope you enjoy the weekend, and we will chat again in seven days.